Hi everyone, welcome back to ESG Decoded. I'm your host, Caitlin Allen, and today we've invited Kate Lamb, who is the Global Director of Water Security for CDP to join our podcast. During her tenure as Global Director of Water Security at CDP, Kate has built the world's largest coalition of non-state actors working to deliver a water secure future. In addition to her work at CDP, Kate served as the UNFCCC, which is UN Framework for the Convention on Climate Change, high-level climate champion lead for water for COP26. She is co-chair of the Science-Based Targets Network, an advisor to the UN Global Compact's SDG Leadership Framework and SDG Sustainable Development Goals, a knowledge partner of the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosure, a founder of the Fair Water Footprints Coalition and one of Thomson Reuters' 2023 Trailblazing Women Working on Climate. Kate, amazing. <laughs> and, and by the way, folks, I had cut out three paragraphs from her bio. So we just, we're so grateful to have you on such an accomplished um, trail, trailblazer in this space. Blushing, thank you. And this is also I'm raising a six-year-old daughter all at the same time, you know. But uh, absolutely, yeah, I've got a great team around me, of course. Uh, absolutely beautiful, just to see. Um, and we we do have. There's so many incredible people working in this space, and um, a lot of us have children, and it's mm-hmm. um, it's just motivates you even more, right? Yeah. For working on tackling these issues, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, we're we're here today to talk a little bit about CDP's new uh, plastics questionnaire, but we're going to start with some background. Mm-hmm. Um, so we what we did have an episode with your colleague Simon Fishweiker, um, but just for folks who are jumping in today, let's just start with what is CDP? Mm-hmm. Um, used to be Carbon Disclosure Project, and then the name was officially shortened just to CDP. Um, what is it? Why do you guys exist? And, and um, how is your data used? It's a, a great question, Caitlin. Um, and for those that don't know who we are, you're not alone. Don't worry. Um, we were once branded in the Harvard Business Review as the most influential green NGO that you've probably never heard of. We probably should solve for that at some point, but uh, we, we're doing fine so far. Um, CDP is a we're an international not-for-profit organization. That to put it in, in normal parlance, we're a charity organization. Um, and we run an annual disclosure mechanism, a reporting mechanism um, for corporations around the world, as well as finance institutions and cities to disclose or to report every year the steps and actions they're taking to achieve their um, environmental targets. This is vital um, because such information is essential to making good informed decision making. And yet, with governments currently not yet meeting the needs of um, various different stakeholders, by putting this reporting infrastructure in place, CDP emerged to fill what is essentially a policy gap to step in and solve for this problem at the, for a short period of time. We're about 30 years old now, so it's happening. Uh, it's taken us a bit longer to achieve our objectives than we'd uh, initially anticipated. But it, the change is happening, and we're now seeing reporting being mandated and governments around the world setting up new rules that require companies to report environmental information similar to that the CDP has been um, capturing for the longest time. Um, 
not only do we we capture all of this information, um, but we then distribute it effectively and efficiently to a whole range of stakeholders. Um, you can imagine, for example, a company, Coca-Cola, for example, or Unilever, um, currently being requested potentially from thousands of institutions around the world for insights as to what they're doing with regards to water pollution or plastic waste or climate change. Um, they would, without CDP, have each one of these requests coming in from a whole range of different avenues and have to create a framework or a standard report um, that allows them to provide that information out. We step in and, and solve for that purpose. So we operate on behalf of about uh, 710 financial institutions who ordinarily will be going out on their own seeking this information, but instead use CDP as their, in a sense, data clearinghouse, data collection point. So we provide an efficient mechanism for Unilever to then communicate out to all of those 750 institutions, uh, 710, sorry, financial institutions. But in addition, we have that information going out to a whole range of other stakeholders, including the businesses themselves. So Unilever also receives um, certain environmental information from CDP associated with its suppliers. So it can use CDP to gather insights around, again, carbon, water use and risks, deforestation, and begin to better understand the risks, impacts and opportunities that exist within its supply chains. The data is also shared with academics who are constantly researching all of these topics um, to identify novel, new, innovative and uh, transformative ways in which we can really drive change. Um, the data shared with national governments in some respects. Um, for example, the, the Japanese uh, Ministry of Environment take our data that is disclosed via um, from, from Japanese companies and uses it to think about how they can support those companies in their transformation, whether it's through new legislation and new regulation, or whether it's through other mechanisms, incentive mechanisms that they can put in place to drive change. And finally, some of our data is also used by the, the NGO, broader civil society groups um, themselves as well. WWF, for example, take our water data and use it to strengthen their water risk filter tool, which is again then used by companies to understand what is going on and how they can uh, solve for their, their water uh, risks that they're exposed to. So we are at a, we're at the heart of an awful lot of action that is taking place far beyond CDP's um, small but perfectly formed team at the moment. And that is a, a very was possibly why we've been talked about as one of the more powerful NGOs, um, because, of course, there's power in that data itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've mentioned um, obviously CDP started with carbon disclosure mm. projects. So it started with a greenhouse gas climate change focused disclosure mm -hmm. um, over the years. CDP has added water the forestry deforestation type questionnaire. Mm -hmm. um, am I missing any of the historical ones? Those three. Uh, right? Biodiversity, we made a move on oh. uh, about two years ago. Thank you, biodiversity. Mm -hmm. I knew I was missing one. <laughs> and um, the latest topic is plastics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you think about and folks reflect on the, like you said, the power in this data that CDP is essentially a, a clearinghouse for, um, and you see that those trends from climate change to water, to deforestation, to biodiversity, and now, um, plastics is the newest questionnaire. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of, um, 
I'm sure very good reasons behind why plastics is next. Mm -hmm. Um, so why has CDP chosen to pursue a plastics questionnaire next? Mm, it's a, it's a, an important question. Um, plastic pollution currently poses one of the most significant threats to ecosystems, economies, and communities. It threatens the function of our terrestrial systems, our freshwater ecosystems that I feel so passionately about, our ocean systems. Um, it, and these systems serve as, serve as sanctuaries for biodiversity. They're vital food sources for billions of people world worldwide, and they're major carbon sinks. And we need to solve for the plastic pollution crisis if we are to achieve all of these other interrelated objectives that we share. As you know, the world is a complicated place and one intervention on one particular pollution here is going to have both positive and negative implications for all of these other areas that we work on. We were approached by um, a couple of donors a couple of years ago, um, the Pew Charitable Trust and Mindaroo Foundation, who said, you know, we think that the CDP disclosure mechanism could provide a significant contribution in achieving the global pl uh, plastic agenda. Um, would you guys be interested in exploring this together? So we said, yes, you know, why not? Let's do a bit of landscape assessment. Let's understand, one, whether that is true. Um, one is there, second, is somebody else doing it better than we could? And therefore, there's no need for us to step in, but we can amplify what's already happening or stay quiet altogether and leave them to do their jobs themselves. What is the market telling us? What do they need? Um, market as in the investors who's, on whose behalf we collect this information or the large procurement teams that, again, we can collect this information for. Do they want this data? And if so, what data do they want? Or are they being satisfied by other, other means? Is corporate action and city action on this issue keeping pace with what science is telling us? And that landscaping assessment proved to us that there was absolutely a very unique role for CDP to play, that we could accelerate and scale action on this topic at a rate that no other institution can compare with at the moment. That yes, there is good practice emerging already. There were the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, reporting framework on plastic packaging. You've got WWF's resource platform, which collects uh, plastic fate or plastic dis disposal related information that's evidence to us that companies can provide such information and that there is a need for it you know, we had an overwhelmingly positive response from our investor signatories as well many of whom are aware that with a global plastics treaty with increased awareness of the threat that plastics poses to the environment and to human health governments will be and already are compelled to act and act in a way that bans particular products that ultimately poses a threat to business models that are dependent on these um, on these products. And if that is the inevitable policy response, businesses and financial institutions want to get ahead of that so that they're not caught out and that they are fit for the future and able to respond really constructively and be part of the solution rather than continue to be part of the problem and be caught out by that legislation when it emerges.
You mentioned the Global uh, Plastics Treaty. So there is mm -hmm. some really interesting policy movement on the world stage regarding plastic pollution. And I know you were recently in Paris, along with mm -hmm. um, Chris Parker and Letitia from our team at Climco, who are focused on this issue um, from a commodity standpoint. Um, lots of interesting happenings, I know. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your perspective, what you took away from those meetings? Um, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps for folks who aren't familiar with what's happening, just a little bit about um, the, the movement toward, toward this global treaty. Absolutely. It's fascinating. My goodness, if anyone can get a seat in these rooms where these negotiations are playing out, it's amazing to watch watch the dynamics in play, right? So what we're seeing here is about a year a year ago, 170 governments gave UNEP, the United Nations Environment Programme, the mandate to develop a globally and potentially legally binding um, agreement between all of those 170 companies to tackle the plastic pollution and waste crisis. It's as significant as what happened in Paris with the UNFCCC's um, Paris Agreement that now commits the world to, uh, to um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and keeping warming within 1.5. So it's and a, sorry, jumping in real quick, just UNFCCC mm -hmm. for folks who aren't oh, familiar is UN Framework for the Convention on Climate Change. That's correct. Please yes, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Apologies. It's it's an acronym soup in, in the world that I live in. Um, so it is incredibly significant because what that means is if every country ultimately agrees and signs off on the framework, which, by the way, is forecast to be finalized by this time next year, it's a very rapid process, then it will result in major transformations in major markets. Um, it will change the face of the oil and gas sector who are currently looking at plastics as their route out of selling fossil fuels. They will convert those fossil fuels into plastics. It's something that not many people know, right, is that to make plastics are fossil fuels, virgin plastics particularly. And so if the oil and gas sector no longer have the lifeline of converting from selling oil and gas into selling plastics, what will they become? What, what, what is their transition journey? It will change the face of fashion because this product, this commodity that is used to make a vast amount of fast fashion at the moment may no longer be available to them to do so. Um, these are major changes in behavior that we need to bring about as a result. It will only benefit all of us in the long run. Um, it's an opportunity or it's a threat. And you saw that playing out in the dynamics within the rooms. For certain countries, it is clearly a threat to their economy at the moment, particularly those countries that are really dominated and dependent on oil and gas. For others, it's a significant opportunity to strengthen their local economies, to, um, to free them from the scourge of plastic waste that is created by us in the West and then shipped to poor developing countries that are ill-equipped to, to solve for this. Um, there are opportunities for many, many businesses in this space, both those that are coming forward with new innovative solutions and those products, uh, those companies that are currently really dependent on the product, 
they could be creating entirely new ways for us to consume as a society that ultimately brings about benefits for all of us. So it's it's a fascinating space to watch and it's a fast moving one um, and one that I hope will ultimately succeed in achieving a high ambitious outcome. Um, thank you so much for giving us the background on that. I um, I think there's another very burning question that we have. I know I have how CDP goes about creating a new reporting framework. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes to get mm. to that questionnaire that ends up on many of our listeners' desks? Yeah, it's a, it, again, another great question. So there's an army of, of staff that we've been able to employ as a result of those donors leaning in, which is a, a real benefit because there's no way I could deliver this on my own. Um, and we've hired a whole range of, of experts, both in terms of plastic related expertise, but also in terms of market transformation and policy engagement expertise. And so we're currently assessing the lay of the land. What is the ultimate global target that we need the world and the economy to orientate towards and the achievement of? So with climate, it is the Paris Agreement. With water and deforestation, it is the, the biodiversity framework that emerged out of um, the, the COP15 in um, Montreal last year. With, um, with plastics, it inevitably will be the Global Plastics Treaty, although it doesn't exist yet. But we've got a few ideas of where that's likely to, to land. So we identify this global North Star. What is the vision of the future that we need to achieve? We're then undertaking a series of research to understand, well, what, are the, what is the role specifically of each sector in achieving that outcome? What does the oil and gas sector need to do? What does auto manufacturers need to do? What do um, retailers and fashion suppliers and finance institutions and, and cities, what do they all need to do in order to achieve that North Star? Um, and we, we we gather insight from a whole range of experts when it comes to that particular topic. It isn't a case of CDP sitting here in our office in London trying to figure that out. We're humble enough to know that we are the experts in disclosure, but we're not the experts in, in plastic evolution and plastic futuring because we're such a new kid on the block when it comes to this, this arena. So we're lending knowledge from every quarter. We've got relationships with academics, with NGOs, with companies and with financial institutions themselves and regulators to gather their insight. What have the, they've been thinking about this for 30 years? So what do they think needs to happen? What are the best standards out there that we should be reflecting? Um, and once we've done that intelligence gathering, we then see, OK, well, what result, what existing reporting frameworks are out there already? What's already expected of firms and do they align? with these visions of what the sectors need to do. Um, if so, we think about, well, could we adopt? Has, is there value in the data that they're collecting? Do they drive the right behaviors, right? So one of the beauties of the design process for the questionnaire that I, I always love is that it, it's, it is there to collect information that will help a bank figure out whether it wants to invest uh, or lend to a company or not. But there's a secondary tactic with regards to the questions that we ask and then that, that we design them so that they spark a conversation within a company that would never have happened had we hadn't asked that question. And you can imagine the power of that, right? When you've got 107, uh, 710 investors asking you, company, whether or not you have 
a target for plastic pollution elimination? Or how much money are you spending on innovating your way out of your plastic dependence? Or how do you handle your plastic waste? And where does it go? And how confident are you? If those are questions that you've never asked yourself before, you could first of all figure out who the hell is asking me and do I really care enough about them to put the answer together? And then you realize, oh, hang on, this is coming from 700 financial institutions that are really important to us. We probably do want to have the answer for them. So then you look internally and you think, well, who's got that answer? Where's the key to the meter room? Who's got those data? What tools do we use? And it sparks that change, that chain reaction within the company that is often um, not so well recognized as the power of disclosure itself, that it sits within the data we collect. So we think about in order to drive an oil and gas firm towards that outcome that they need to achieve to get the global um, global agreement implemented, does these indicators, do these questions that already exist, contribute to that? Where's the evidence that that is the case? Is there a, a thorough independent evaluation of those frameworks that we can look to to demonstrate that, yes, actually these stack up? Not only do they drive the data that we're looking for, but they also drive the behaviours that we want to happen. And if that exists, great. We, we, we'll we take them and we make them our own. And we get agreements with those NGOs. So we're working on MOUs with the Ella MacArthur Foundation, for example, at the moment, um, with the aspiration that where we start to collect information on their behalf, we then strike a data agreement with them so they don't have to ask that information anymore, but we give them the data as we collect it in. Kate, I have a question yes. for you on that just Please. before we get too deep into it. I know there's also, um, you guys have a process for testing the validity of data points as well. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that um, because I know that's, you know, incredibly important, right? That the, the investors end up with the data points that actually matter, right? So how do you, like, what did you actually do to find out if, you, you've got good data points or not. Mm, so the first step is to survey our investor signatories and figure out, okay, what is, and ask those explicit questions. What data do you already have access to? How do you use that? Um, is it meeting your needs or not? Um, and if it isn't, what data are you missing? And how would you use that? Why would you use that? What outcomes do you hope to achieve as a result of using that information? Um, and we're getting varying degrees of, of insight back. Some are amazing and will tell us we will use this to allocate capital in this way. And you think, well, if they're really going to do that, that could transform the world. Therefore, yes, we want that information. We want that data point to emerge. If they're really just telling us that they'll want this data as a you know, a matter of curiosity, but they don't yet know how to do it, then we probably wouldn't necessarily overly prioritize that. Um, and stick with those that are genuinely transformational, where there is a clear direct relationship between the data going in and money being allocated towards companies differently, particularly rewarding companies that are doing really well, because that's ultimately what we want to have happen, right? We want those that are leading to be supported. Part two of that question is feasibility. So, I mean, I know from years mm. of helping companies fill out CDP, right? There's mm. sometimes, you know, there's a question where they're like, how do they expect us to know this, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> how are we supposed to get to this answer? We have no mm. idea, right? So what about the feasibility part? I mean, do you, yeah. do you take any evaluation of how easy or difficult it is to, to 
access or come up with that yes. type of data? We do. do, we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So at the early stages of, of our development for, for the indi- plastic indicators that are in there now that are currently, we've got 7,000 companies figuring out whether they want to respond and whether they can respond to them. Uh, we we consult. So we put out a public consultation and we flag it to all of the corporations that are in CDP's network that, hey, we're thinking of doing this. What do you think? And we have them specifically rank it both in terms of value. Is this a valuable exercise? Um, is this valuable data for you to be putting on the market? Um, is it valuable for you to be collecting that information? But also then feasibility. How feasible is it for you to do this? So the feedback we receive from companies with regards to the data points on plastics that we were looking to pursue for this year um, was that it was very valuable for them to provide this information, for them to go through the process of collecting that information, but that in terms of feasibility, um, it was they were ranking low. I, it would be really difficult for them to provide this information. So what we took the decision to do was that we will continue to ask, because if we never ask, we will never get And the companies are telling us that this is a valuable exercise and the investors and others are telling us that this is valuable data that they want. So we continued with asking the question and requiring or requesting the information to be reported. But we took a a pause on scoring because it's another tool in our toolkit is that we then reward companies for providing a comprehensive disclosure to us. And that's a really important mechanism for change. It feeds, it's a, a direct feedback mechanism to those companies to give them an understanding of whether they have sufficiently answered the question, if they're taking the right behavior, or if there's room for improvement. So rather than running ahead, running ahead with scoring on a question that has got a very low feasibility at this stage would be grossly unfair. And um, we, so we've we've delayed on scoring. It was never really our intention to score for 2023, 2024 anyway on plastics. We're most likely moving on that in 2026 at the very earliest. And I look back to my experience with water, with water security. Um, we didn't score any water-related questions for five years. Um, and that was so that we could really figure out what was going on. Where is best practice emerging? What does corporate good practice on water really look like? Because at that stage, it hadn't really been defined. And who is CDP? Who am I to go out and just put a line in the sand? Um, It was gathering that intelligence over those five years that enabled us to more confidently put a line in the sand, knowing and reflect on where some of those leading uh, corporations were on that topic. And that's precisely our, our intention with plastics. So interesting. I I think it's really important for folks to hear, especially folks that are perhaps um, feeling, you know, they're sitting at their desk, they've been handed, oh, you've got to work on this thing, right? To, you know, they're actively Googling, hopefully this podcast comes up so that they can Mm -hmm. hear, right? That the intention is um, some, especially at the beginning, is to get those conversations started, but to recognize that there is a feasibility um, barrier. And that's why there's several years between the release of this new questionnaire and actual scoring to kind of allow for and recognize um, the the challenges associated with with gathering new types yeah. of data and, and working on strategy and all those things mm-hmm. that take a lot of time. So I think that's yeah. really interesting. So when can we, when should we expect to see the, the CDP plastics questionnaire? Is it in draft form? Is there a final one out? When, when should we expect to see that? 
we've gone through a change within the organization in that we're not going to be having a standalone separate plastics questionnaire. That is not the intention of this endeavor. Um, We've learned from our experience so far that continuing with a siloed approach to environmental topics and themes can have unintended consequences. It increases the reporting burden as well for firms in some respects. So we're in the process of integrating, bringing the themes together into a single questionnaire that companies will then have an easier time engaging with. And we hope that we'll enable them to start to see the connections between the different themes and different issues that they're they're targeting uh, and acting on. So at the moment, there are plastic questions that we've already designed and they are live now. They're in the plas- in the water questionnaire for CDP. So there are 7,000 companies that in April were invited to disclose water-related and plastic-related data um, to their institutional investors via CDP. There is a small set of questions. It's not a comprehensive disclosure at this stage. It is merely an opportunity for us to start to seek, figure out where is the market on this topic? Um, we're still now going through the process of further indicator development, what more might might be needed. Um, and once we've got that view by the end of this year, we'll then figure out the best way to deploy those indicators. Fascinating. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just love too that, that it's with water, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, maybe put it with mentally with climate or with even with biodiversity because... Mm-hmm of the physical impacts of pollution. Um, but the, it, it's it's certainly a water topic and um, really just fascinating. Um, mm. I think this is so helpful for firms that are perhaps have gotten wind of this. They're not sure where to seek information, additional information mm-hmm. about it. Um, I, I think this is gonna be so, so helpful for anyone that's working on this questionnaire and certainly for existing a respondents to um, the water disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly I think this will be a wonderful resource, Kate. So thank you so yeah, much for, for coming on. And do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I do, actually. I think it's important to recognize that, you know, in a sense, CDP has become a bit of a victim of its own success, right? So that when companies now receive the, the information requests, there's a there's an expectation that they're going to be scored, that they're going to be called out if they're performing poorly, that they're going to be rewarded if they're performing well. Um, And it's easy to forget that legacy of how new topics are introduced and the fact that this disclosure intervention that we're making here is supposed to be one that is constructive, that is there and instructive to help organisations understand that this is a topic that is going to bite you on the ass, excuse the, the language, if you don't get ahead of it now, we're not doing this purely because it is, in a sense, the right thing to do um, from an environmental perspective. Laws are emerging at a rapid rate. This transformation towards a future in which plastic pollution and waste will be outlawed is inevitable. And so the intervention that we're making is to support companies to be part of that solution to make sure that they get, find the keys to the meter room, that they get in the right vehicle and that they head to the final destination together in a way that benefits communities and benefits our environment overall. Because the alternative is hard to contemplate right now. Um, and so 
helping them and helping your listeners hopefully see that there there is this intent to support firms along the way be their critical friend we won't always be sycophantic and and you know and 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 bowing down to them our job is to provide a healthy challenge um but it is in a way that is supportive to bring them to a conclusion in which we all have a healthy environment and a strong economy that works for us all well said kate I will just leave it right there. <laughs> um, thank you so much for, for coming on to share more about this. I think folks will find it really interesting how this is developed and the, really the, the incredible stakeholder engagement around the development of this, mm -hmm. um, as well as engagement with companies, thinking about feasibility, all the different pieces um, that go into the creation of a new, um, of a new CDP. Mm. I shouldn't say questionnaire now, it's questions. That's been the case. Well, well, just thank you so much. Um, I look My forward pleasure. to seeing you when we're in the same uh, city at some point. And yes. um, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Caitlin. Take care. Thanks. Bye.